the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. Everybody needs relationships. We all desire friendships, desire meaningful relationships. But the problem is, most of us are not very good at them. The reality is that we have a tendency to mess up our relationships. Without raising your hand, how many of you would say that you've messed up at least one relationship in your life at some point in time? That you've messed up something along the way. And so one of the valuable things that we can learn to do is how to reset these things called relationships. And there are principles that we can learn from Scripture that will help us to do that. We talked about knowing God's rules and requirements, how God gives us specific instructions regarding specific areas of relationships in life. And, but today I want to talk to you about four additional things that are essential if you're going to reset relationships that get off course in your life. So let's dive in together. The first thing for this weekend is you have to learn how to and when to examine your relationships. You can't reset something that hasn't been evaluated. If you don't know if it's off course, you can't get it back on course. And the key question I would ask for you today is that what is the current status or the current state of your key relationships in life? Starting with your relationship with God and working outwardly from there because God needs to be the center relationship, the central relationship of your life. But then it moves to our family and moves to our friends and to our co-workers and those different spheres and circles of influence and connection that we have. But what is the status? What is the current state of your relationships? And I would venture to say this morning, I would submit to you that there's at least one relationship, if not more, in your life that could stand a reset. There's at least one relationship in your life, if you're really honest, that you could do better at. That something needs to get back on course with because most of us tend to wander and drift from the things that are most essential in these areas of life. And so you need to know what those things are and do some evaluation. And all I want to do in this first point is to help you to think about your status in relationships. How are, you, how are they going? Where are they really? What's really happening? How healthy are they? And what do you really need to address? The second thing I want to talk to you about today, and this is where I'm going to spend the bulk of my time, is that you then need to take relational reset steps. Once you evaluate where a relationship is and perhaps one that needs some attention, then you have to determine the reset steps that are necessary. Because resetting a relationship has to move beyond thoughts to action. You actually have to do something. It's an action. Resetting is an action. It's not just a thought or a good intention. All of us have the tendency in many areas of our lives to be, be subject to what I would call the manana syndrome. You know what the manana syndrome is? I'll get around to it tomorrow. Okay. 
that I'll do it later. I'll address this thing sometime in the future. And so we're always putting off things into the future. It's called procrastination. I'll get to it at some point in time. I know that this area of my life needs to be fixed, but I'm not really ready to address it right now. But the real time to start addressing things in your life is now in the moment. In fact, the scripture says today is the day of salvation. Now is the time to act. And so what I hope will happen to you today as you think about some of the relational areas of life is that you you will start taking some steps, not sometime in the future, but when you go home today and when you engage this week, that you'll take some steps of action now. Now, what are those steps of action? I'm going to give you eight of them that can do powerful things in the relationships of your life for resets. Number one, the investment of time or treasure. Sometimes all it takes for a relationship to be reset, to get back to where it needs to be, is simply investing some time in it. You know what? I just need to spend some time with you. And sometimes just that time alone will do amazing, miraculous things. Often in a marriage, what a marriage is missing is not just so much even terrible things that have occurred, but just the drifting of two people apart because they haven't been spending any time together. And so when you invest an amount of time in that marriage relationship, it's like watering a plant. It begins to flourish. It begins to grow. Sometimes that investment of time is all that's necessary to get things back to where they need to be. Sometimes it's a matter of just investing something of a treasure. It's amazing what a gift can do for someone, right? Sometimes it's a word of encouragement that you'll give or a note that you'll write. The key point here is to take the initiative in time and investment, and that alone can bring about amazing healing. Think about your relationship with God. Isn't it wonderful what happens in your relationship with God when you just spend time with God, right? And that's the one thing oftentimes that will fix everything. You know, I'm drifting from God. I'm just going to spend some time with Him, and it brings everything back to center. So investment of time or treasure. The second one, apologies. Forgiveness and seeking reconciliation. One of the most significant reset buttons you can ever hit in a relationship is a sincere, personally owned, kind, humble apology. All those descriptors are very important. Let me give them to you again. Sincere, it has to be sincere. It has to be personally owned because an apology that says, I'm sorry for the way you made me feel, that's not personally owned. Or I'm sorry for what you did to me, that's not personally owned. But personally owned is, I'm sorry for my area of responsibility. And so it's sincere, it is personally owned, it is kind, that is, it's not coming across in a harsh manner, and it is humble. It's not in any way exalting you or making you look as the, better than you really are in the situation. But learning how to be apologetic in these terms opens the door for healing in relationships. One of the things that is so hard for people oftentimes to learn how to do is to actually say, I am sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. We've talked about this before. I want to bring it back to your attention today because these words have tremendous power. I am sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. Let's try that together. I am sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. That didn't kill you. Sometimes we think it's going to kill me to give an apology. It's not going to kill you. What it does is it brings about restoration. It brings about reconciliation. If you're on the receiving end of an apology and someone says to you, I'm sorry, uh, I was wrong, please forgive me, the wrong response is, I'll think about it. Okay. Or the wrong response is, if you do this or if you do that or if you do the other thing, I will forgive you. You know, the right response when someone asks you for forgiveness, what is the right response? 
to forgive from where? From the heart. To genuinely forgive from the heart. Because how does God treat you when you go to God and ask Him to forgive you for something? How does God treat you? Does God say, I'll think about it? Does God say, hey, you know what? If you do the following things, I'll, just, I'll sort of see if you measure up. And whether you earn my forgiveness or not. No, God never makes you earn His forgiveness. God generously and graciously forgives us. And He says, I want, what I want you to do is I want you to treat other people the way I treat you. And so apologies and forgiveness. Number three, prayer, interceding for insight or against spiritual attack. I will tell you that the devil loves to divide people. He's a divider, okay? God is a unifier, devil is a divider, okay? So the devil loves to get into relationships and there are demonic forces, I believe, that target and attack relationships in our life. And so what will help you in relationships to keep them where they need to be is to be a person who is praying for the relationship. Not just praying for the person, but also praying for the relationship. In other words, I'm not just praying for my wife, but I'm praying for our marriage, okay? It's not that you pray just for your friend, but you pray for your friendship. You see the difference, okay? It's not just praying for that person, but it's praying for the relationship. It's not just praying for your child by name, but praying for your parenting role with that child, their response to you. And so it includes embraces because what prayer does is that prayer drives out the works of darkness. Do you believe that today, okay? Prayer invites the kingdom of God in and drives out the work of darkness. And perhaps for some of you, the best thing that you can do to fix a relationship is not to talk to somebody, it's to talk to God, okay? To start talking to God about some things that you need to get straight because I've learned over in my life, continue to learn in my life, that oftentimes when I'm praying for somebody else and praying for a relationship, it's the very moment that God begins to speak to me about stuff in my own life that I need to address. When I get the the emphasis off of what needs to change in someone else, to what needs to change in me that makes a huge difference and so make sure that you're praying not only for people but make sure you're praying for your relationships with people number four read together with me practical assistance providing meaningful proactive practical help or service let me break this down in a very meaningful practical way for you often relationships are made better by Getting back to the place of giving by moving away from the position of getting. Let me explain that. Many times what happens in relationships is that we move from the giving side to the getting side. Almost every relationship in life starts with giving. The fifth thing, read together with me. Gaining clarification or recalibration of expectations and or roles, boundaries, or relationship etiquette and rules. That is highly technical. That's the teacher coming out in me, okay? All right. That's just way too much okay so let me break it down for you all right sometimes all a relationship need is needs is some clarification about expectations because what happens in in interaction with people is that we start forming expectations of what we want them to do for us or what we expect them to be to us or around us or whatever the case might be and then we get these expectations inside of us but the other person never knows that we have that expectation and so they can't fulfill it or don't fulfill it well and so we walk around frustrated and angry at them because they're not doing what we expect them to do but they don't even know what we expect of them and so we have these mental expectations we carry with us and so part of and many times those expectations are unrealistic they're unfair they're not they've never even been communicated okay And so we start evaluating our relationships on these expectations that haven't been clarified. 
And sometimes what is necessary is to sit down and just clarify the expectation. I was expecting this, and you know what? I'm, I, I need to, we need to make sure that we're on the same page here. Sometimes it's just an adjustment you do inside yourself. And so expectations are huge things because they create the potential of a lot of disappointment, a lot of, a lot of anger and frustration. And so you have to bring those expectations back to realistic terms, or otherwise you're going to find yourself continuing to be frustrated. Number six, removal of judgment, criticism, or condemnation. Often the best thing that can happen in a relationship is your adjustment of your perspective of a person. Because over time, if you're not careful, you can become judgmental of someone, critical of them, and condemning toward them. And when you, anytime you start judging another person, anytime you start criticizing them, whether it's verbally or in your mind, you've become a critic to them instead of a a blessing to them. Your criticism, your critical spirit will automatically create hostility in the relationship. It'll create a wall of isolation. You can't form friendships with people you're critical toward. You can't form friendships with people that you have a condemning attitude toward. It just doesn't work. And aren't you glad that God opens relationship with us by welcoming us, not by condemning us? In fact, Jesus himself said in John chapter 3, he said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. And so condemnation, judgment, harshness, and criticism always divides and always creates walls of hostility. And what we need to do is to begin to look for the good in other people. Because I promise you, if you will take some time and begin to look for something good in someone, there's always something good that you can find, generally. Here's the key principle. What you appreciate, appreciates. When you start appreciating, your appreciation grows. When you condemn, condemnation leads to more condemnation. Criticism leads to more criticism. If you start being critical of one thing, before long you're critical of a thousand things in a person's life. And so criticism can destroy relationships. Number seven, read with me. Dismantling of false imaginations. I want to read to you a verse of scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. It's not on your notes, but I'll read it for you, and you can write down that reference again, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, casting down imaginations. Notice that phrase, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Paul the Apostle, inspired by the Holy Spirit, warned us about the potential of imaginations getting into our mind, things that we imagine being real when they're not real, and high things that exalt themselves above the knowledge of God, things that get into our thought process. And these false imaginations that we have about people can keep us from relationships with people, drive wedges in our interaction with people. Let me give you an example of that. Think about maybe a time in your life when you're maybe at work or in some other environment and you're walking down the hallway and someone that you would have expected to be friendly to you and nice to you, uh, they don't speak to you. They turn the other way when you walk by and they don't say anything to you. They may seem to be even distant from you. And what can often happen is you begin, what do you begin to think when you have that interaction with that person? What do you begin to imagine? Help me out, church. What do you start imagining? They don't like me. What do I did wrong? What was you know? So all these imaginations start happening inside of your head, and then the next time you see them, how do you react? You're already you've already built a case in your mind about their interaction with you, and so now you are responding based upon your imagination. Okay, 
And now before long, if you're not careful, that imagination can, 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 can be inflated significantly and then real distance can happen in the relationship and it all started with a false imagination. You know, the reality is nine times out of ten, that person that didn't look at you or didn't speak to you in the, in the way that you expected, they weren't even thinking about you, okay? They had other things on their mind. They were not even concerned about you. They were not mad at you at all. They had that something else was going on, but we interpret it that way. And so the, that's one of the ways the devil gets into your life. He gets into your life through false imaginations. And so we have to put some filters in our mind to check out what is true and not true and make sure that we reset by getting rid of false imaginations. Last one here, read with me. Relational education information and insights. All I'm going to say about this, if you want to reset a relationship, you need to learn what relationships skills are, okay? When was the last time you read a book about relationships? When was the last time you attended a course on relationships? There are many great courses we have here at the church in our life study classes on relationships. There are great books you can read. A great book I would encourage you to read if you haven't done so already is The Five Languages of Love, Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. It's a great relationship book. There are all other great Christian books that you can read that will give you some skills. But sometimes the reset of a relationship is just a matter of you getting some skills that you don't have right now, and those skills can be learned, all right? Many examples of resets in the Bible. I don't have time to talk to you about them today. You can read about one in Philippians chapter 4, verse 3. There are many others we could talk about, but the key thing is to take action and to take action now. The third major point today, are you ready for it? You've got to give up your need to control others. And all the three services so far, that's gotten more, inter- more response from people than any, any other point I've made, okay? A relationship reset is never a forced takeover in a person's life. It never is. A relationship resource, a re- reset is never about you venting your relationship frustrations on someone else. It's what a lot of people think. Well, I'm just going to get this relationship. I'm just going to tell this person what I really feel. And then you vent, okay? And then out of your venting, what happens is nothing is reset. In fact, a relationship is not reset if the relationship gets worse instead of better. If you do something and makes the relationship work worse than it was, then obviously you, you didn't do the right thing, okay? And so a relationship reset is to make the relationship better. And there are things in relationships that you can control, and there are things in relationships that you can't control and that you shouldn't control. And so they're just things that are none of your business and nothing that you should be trying to control in another person's life. Because anytime you try to control another person, are you listening? Anytime you try to control another person, you're playing God in their life, right? And I will tell you, it's really fatiguing to play God. Right? It's tiring to be God. Amen? Can you, can you keep on top of everything all the time? No. So when you try to play God in another person's life, it's, it's very dangerous territory. And the real issue here is that re- relationship resets are not about your control. They're about giving God more control in the relationship. Right? So if God has more control in my life and God has more control in your life, then God has more control in our lives, right? If God has more control with me as a husband and God has more control in my wife as a wife, then God has more control in our marriage, okay? And so the whole issue is not about me controlling her or her controlling me. It's about me letting God control me. It's about her letting God control her. And then out of that comes a God-controlled marriage. Same is true in a friendship. In any realm of life, It's not about your control, it's about God's control. And so resets are critical, uh, a critical part of resets is to learn how to just let go of the control 
and give it to God. Last point today is you need to demonstrate your relationship commitments. Relationships are not built on emotions, they're built on commitments. And a commitment is really something that you've determined in your heart and stated in some way. A commitment. Commitments are not just something you think. They're, again, they're things that you articulate, things that you communicate. When you go to sign a mortgage for a house, you have to sign a bunch of papers, don't you? Like a stack of papers like this, right? You put your name on it a million times, it seems. Why? Because you're committing. You're doing something that says, I'm committed to paying the bank this money back, okay? And commitments are verbalized. They are communicated. And one of the things that will often reset a relationship that gets it back to where it needs to be is just the fresh verbalization and communication of a commitment. Just simply saying to you, I am committed to you. I want you to know that I'm committed to you. See, that helps tremendously in marriages. In marriages, just to simply say to your spouse, I want you to know... I know I said it 30 years ago, but I'm going to say it again today. I'm committed to you. I'm committed to you as your husband. I'm committed to you as your wife. I am committed to you. I'm all in in this relationship. Those words, even though they may not feel like they're necessary to say, just in the saying of them, there's tremendous power. It can be, it can be true in a friendship. Just to reaffirm your commitment to a person. I'm committed to you. I'm your friend. I want you to know that you can really count on me. These kind of things are very, very powerful. The statement and restatement of commitment. Let me take you to a story in the Old Testament that we'll conclude with today. It's a story of a lady by the name of Ruth along with Naomi. I need to set you a little bit of background for this so we'll understand the passage that I'm going to read for you in just a moment. There's a story of a man and his wife named Elimelech and Naomi and they lived in Judah of Bethlehem back in the Old Testament days. Following the days of, in the times of the days of the judges. So Elimelech and Naomi, because there was a famine in Judah, they moved from Judah, Bethlehem, over into the foreign territory of Moab, beyond the Dead Sea. As they go to Moab, realizing it's an idolatrous area, it's not, a, it's not the land of God, it's the land of idols and so forth, but nevertheless they travel there and they set up home because of the famine in, in Bethlehem. They set up home there and, over, and they had two sons born to them and over a period of time, Elimelech, the husband, passed away. And so Naomi was left as a widow with two sons. Her two sons eventually grew up, got married, married two Moabite ladies there. And so now they have that little family in, Mo, in, in the land of the Moabs. And over a period of time, the two sons pass away as well. And so now you have Naomi and her two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth. And now there's no husband. All of them are widows. At some point in time, Naomi says, you know what, I'm not going to stay here in Moab any longer. I realize I need to go back home to Bethlehem. And so she encouraged her two daughter, daughters-in-law to stay there in Moab because they were Moabite women. And so why don't you just stay here? Why don't you just stay in your homeland? I'm going back to Bethlehem. I need to go home. I need to reestablish myself in my homeland. And Orpah, one of the daughters-in-law, said, okay, I'm going to stay in Moab. But I want to pick up the story now and I want you to see the power of commitment and the power of communicating commitment in Ruth chapter 1 beginning in verse number 15. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law, that's Orpah, has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. So Naomi is saying to Ruth, why don't you do what your sister just did? Why don't you get your, your, your sister-in-law just did? Why don't you go back and live in the land? 
But Ruth replied, Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined or Ruth had made a commitment to go with her, she said nothing more. So the two of them continued on their journey. What I want you to see in the life of Ruth, Ruth would have never found her way into the Bible without this commitment. She said to Naomi, wherever you go, I'm going. Wherever you live, I'm going to live. Whoever your God is, is going to be my God. Your people will be my people. And so Ruth walked onto the pages of the Bible by a commitment. And because she had this commitment, the Bible tells us that over a period of time, God blessed her and God connected her with a man in the land of Bethlehem by the name of Boaz. She married Boaz and Boaz and Ruth ended up having a son by the name of Obed and Obed ended up having a son by the name of Jesse and Jesse ended up having a son by the name of David who became the second king of Israel and became the lineage of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Let me tell you, there is power when you make right commitments. Power. And there's power when you affirm your commitments. See, Ruth didn't just think a commitment. She said a commitment. She communicated it. And in the communication of that commitment, there was something that God blessed in her life. And God rained down upon her life. And her future and her destiny was secured by the fact that she not only felt the commitment, but she communicated a commitment in a very powerful way. Maybe for you, what you need to do in your life right now to get your relationships where they need to be is you need to make a solid reaffirmation and restatement of your commitment because commitments reset relationships. What have we learned today? We talked about the importance, the value of evaluating, examining your relationships. We talked about the fact that you and I need to take some steps. We talked about those eight steps that are essential for resets. I reminded all of us today that we need to give up control in our relationships. And I've reminded you that you and I need to demonstrate our relationship commitments. And when we do that, there's a reset. It gets us back to center where we need to be. This is not a one-time thing. This is something that we need to continue to do throughout our spiritual experience. And if we do, we'll be cooperating with God so we can experience the more abundant life promised by God. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing.